Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitver, with my luminous co-host. Why, thank you, Maria Velasquez. And we are so excited today to have someone who is not a marketer, but works with marketing and has a lot of opinions on marketing and how to do things better on the show, and is also just a super interesting person. We're so excited to have Wesley Bellman. He is a consulting engineer at Colossal LLC. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks, Jonna. Thanks, Maria. I really appreciate you inviting me to the show, and uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about marketing, especially in the federal government. Yeah, so tell us first and foremost, like, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to your role today, and also what is Colossal? Yes, thank you for that question. So I started my career in the military. I started in acquisition. So as a customer, I was specifically a cybersecurity operations officer. However, I was assigned to an acquisitions station that's Los Angeles Air Force Base. And there I was in charge of multi-million dollar programs acquiring cybersecurity capability for the Space Force, which is a in the tens of billions of dollars as far as their IT infrastructure. So really large IT infrastructure there. And that's how I got into not only cybersecurity, but also understanding the whole buying, selling process and connecting with vendors and OEMs. And then I, from there, I went to Palo Alto Networks. So dipped my fingers into the OEM experience. And after two years at Palo Alto, I joined the uh, Colossal LLC. So Colossal LLC is primarily a value-added reseller. We also provide services specific to the products that we sell. And then on top of that, I have my, we might call a side gig of being in the Air National Guard. Oh my gosh, you've done everything from across like the entire quote-unquote customer journey. You've been someone who buys the solutions and for the government, which is also like a whole nother thing. You've been someone who sells the solutions, right? Because you were a sales engineer at Palo Alto. And now you're working at Avar. So you have like all the pieces in play, except that you were never a marketer, which I feel like that should be your next role. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. We're not. <laughs> Would you like to join my team? Um, <laughs> Wesley, before we get into maybe some of your philosophies around sales and marketing, because as someone who is technical, but also in this consulting role, you're also doing, you know, sales engineering, doing some selling. Before you get into that, can you tell me, did you buy anything to protect against alien invasions for Space Force? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. I mean, we were focused on cybersecurity. So I guess if the aliens somehow tried to like hack into the space systems from space, then maybe by accident, we were protecting against some of that, but that wasn't definitely wasn't intentional. Nothing I worked on was involved in that, but you'd have to ask somebody who specializes in that, maybe if uh, if there's anything there. <laughs> God, so honest. I would have totally taken credit for that. I'd be like, yes, that was totally us. Thank you, world. <laughs> yeah, we protected you from 40 alien, uh, you know, apocalypses last year. And, da, 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 da. and yes, they do use Facebook. And so they're doing phishing on Facebook. That's what they're doing, actually. 
Oh, and also one more thing. I want to give a little story too about how we met you and me and like, why are you on this podcast? How did you hear about it? Well, because I think, and I think this is a model that other marketers can use. So Wesley, you actually saw an ad for Votero and you commented something very, and like Maria said, very honest. You said, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes, let's hear more about that. Well, honest is the kind word. I appreciate you using that. <laughs> and then, so what I did, so marketers, feel free to do this. And maybe people, most people aren't as nice as Wesley, but I actually wanted to know why you said that. So I reached out and you gave me really great feedback. I think we had a good conversation and both sides potentially walked away better for it. You understood where I was coming from. And then I definitely changed the copy on my ads <laughs> after the fact. So I just wanted to say thank you for that and for being open to chatting with a random from a company that you just commented on on LinkedIn. So I appreciate that. And it's kind of a funny way. It's kind of a funny reason to, to have met someone, but I'm glad that you did comment. Well, after you went and changed it, I had to go delete the comment because suddenly it, like it, what you wrote did make sense. So I was like, I don't want to be associated with, I don't want people to be like, wait, why is he saying this? <laughs> so I, was, I had to go delete that. Yeah, not to get all sentimental, but I just, I think that's just good advice in general for people, right? Be open to feedback. I'm actually currently on short stint of military orders and I had to give a presentation yesterday and it wasn't good. I wasn't, didn't bring like my whole self and energy and one of the kind of senior enlisted leaders pulled me to the side and gave me some feedback. And I told him, I was like, I'm always open to feedback. And I just appreciate that you gave it to me. And then today I did a lot better. And he told me that I did a lot better. So I think, you know, our ability to respond to feedback is just what makes us better workers and better team players overall. For sure. As marketers in cybersecurity, I wish we had more access to feedback from the practitioners, from our ICP to help us just be better at marketing. We do get feedback in the sense that there's always this talk about, oh gosh, security vendors can do better and all of that. And there are a few like yourself that do take the time to give us feedback. We actually had a CISO panel at Cyber Marketing Con last year that was basically real-time feedback for marketers. But yeah, I do wish we had a lot more of that because then we can be better as an entire industry. Absolutely. And you have some experience, you know, just like you said, with your speaking, you know, giving presentations yesterday, you also, when you were at Space Force and also in previous roles, you understand the challenges of marketing things because you've had to advertise and market products internally as a customer. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so this is something we had talked about that like wanted to bring up because it's very interesting. A lot of people don't realize this, but the Department of Defense is over an $800 billion a year military department. They say it's the world's largest employer. And so really there's a lot of sort of internal business that goes on within the Department of Defense overall. It's good and it's, it's challenging. And so there's a lot of projects that you have to, when you start a project within the Department of Defense or you know within the federal government overall, you need to be able to advocate for that product, both through publicly available means as well as other means that you have in order to get buy-in, get customers. Some people may not know this, but there are organizations within the federal government that actually charge for what they do to other organizations in the federal government. So one such organization is a cyber test squadron. So in order for a system within the U.S. Air Force to be approved, it has to go through rigorous testing 
And sometimes you can use internal resources such as a cyber test squadron. Your organization has to pull out of their budget to pay that cyber test squadron to perform that testing, that rigorous security testing in order to meet compliance requirements. And you can receive that same testing from a commercial entity. So that squadron, for those who aren't aware, I apologize, but there's a squadron is a military unit within the Air Force. They can be a couple hundred members large. The one that I'm currently in is about 80 members. So it varies. But a so I apologize for some of that unique terminology, but just wanted to make it clear. But yeah, anyway, the point is, is that those specific squadrons are competing with commercial companies. So there are those types of activities that that you have to like, you know, market and sell sort of for internal business. Another such organization that we had talked about, which uses a lot, a lot of public means such as LinkedIn, just the internet to sell is DoD Platform One. And now a word from our sponsor, Hushly. Hushly is the first all-in-one buyer experience and conversion cloud. Hushly takes critical marketing products that need to work together as a single solution and brings them into one unified platform. With Hushly, cybersecurity marketers gain efficiencies, productivity, and scale while offering rich, personalized, and connected digital experiences to their prospects and customers. If you're looking to be more efficient and make account and contact level personalization a core part of your demand generation, ABM, and content marketing efforts, then take a look at Hushly. That's Hushly with no E. H-U-S-H-L-Y.com. And thanks Hushly for sponsoring our party at RSA Conference 2023. See you all there. What is DoD Platform One? <laughs> so use all the, if you use the buzzwords, right, DoD Platform One is a development platform available for customers who want to build custom software, for people within the government who want to build custom software. They want to be able to build custom software for military purposes and do it in a way that provides some level of security and scalability. I don't work directly on it, so I don't, couldn't tell you kind of like in a lot more detail than that. My former boss actually currently is in charge of DOD Platform One, that's Colonel Brian Viola. And one thing that they've had to do is really advocate for people to use it because it's kind of a new concept. It's a lot of the you know modern DevSecOps practices that people have probably heard of in the industry. You have to get people to buy off on that method, one. So that's been a big deal. And then you also have to get people to you know basically hand them over money to get them to build those this platform. It's a great challenge. I really think the people over there are very smart and they've been smart both in the the technical aspect of hiring really smart engineers, but also in the sort of sales and marketing, which I think a lot of people are like sales and marketing in DOD, but it's it really is a thing. So something you really have to think about. That's actually really cool. It makes me think of sort of all the public service announcements we keep hearing from government officials that the private sector needs to come and partner with the government sector so we can all combat this big problem of cybersecurity across, obviously, critical infrastructure and everything that matters for our safety. And I feel like this is kind of like a the dev version of that, right? If I'm understanding it correctly. Yes. And that's that's very connected and definitely really important as well. I think if there's companies that are don't want to work with the DOD, I understand where they're coming from in that because I understand people, people don't like war and that's, you know, war should be something that we don't like, right? That we don't want, obviously. So I understand that. I just think that, you know, we also have to consider the fact that with dangerous activities, we want them to be accurate and we want them to be safe, especially in a cybersecurity perspective. 
So it's interesting once I joined the sales side, you know, once I left the military, came to the sales side, you know, I would deal with, I would run into people who are, hey, you know, you're a salesperson, stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. But I dealt with the exact opposite as well, Maria. I'll tell you, I was at, we'll potentially talk about FCA, but I was at an FCA conference and I had multiple colonels, lieutenant colonels, civilians, all types of people walk up to me and say, thank you for working with the government. Like we know that you could potentially leave and just be focused fully on private sector and that might be easier for you. So thank you for you know working with us. And we can talk about some of the challenges there that there are working with the federal government. They understand that and they just appreciate that. Like you said, the uh, private sector supports them. Yeah. I mean, my first job in cybersecurity marketing was for a cybersecurity company that sold predominantly to the government and DOD to the point that we had obviously a lot of the cross-domain solution and, and accredited products that we could sell into commercial versus the other side. And then then the challenge of, as a marketer, creating the personas of the government and DOD folks that usually buy from us that most of the time we don't know because it's usually an agency middleman and you don't even know where your product is being shipped, all of those things. That was definitely quite the MBA for marketing for me because it's really challenging. It's like a black box of complete unknowns. Yeah, it's funny because in the private sector, you have the same problem, but I always joke about how many hands it like it takes to get from, like, from the product to like the final end customer. So like in the federal government, it's like it goes from like the OEM to the VAR to the distributor to the, uh, they call it an FSI. So that's a federal systems integrator. And there goes a federal systems integrator. And then finally it ends up in the hands of the government. So it's like, I think I just named five. I can't count right now, but I think I just named five different <laughs> hands. And it's just like, so to get from me, I have the product to you. You want to buy the product. It's got to go through all these hands before I can get there. Yeah. How's that for a sales cycle and a customer journey? <laughs> Absolutely. One more product that you mentioned on our pre-call was Kraken. Kraken incident response. Like, I believe you were saying that that was a SOAR solution. Like, how did you tell us a little bit about the Kraken project and how you were involved? Yes, I appreciate that question. So, like I mentioned with DoD Platform One, I haven't worked on it directly, so I can't talk too much about it. But Kraken will probably be here three hours if you let me. So, <laughs> please, <laughs> please, please stop me at some point. But this has recently been publicly released, so um, definitely good here on this, but there's two products within the Space Force that they're using for their cyber defense. One is Manticore, and then the other one is Kraken. When I first joined, at that time it was Air Force Base Command, but when I first joined the team of cyber defense for space, Kraken didn't exist. And that same person we were talking about, Colonel Brian Viola, actually asked me to create Kraken, more or less. So I worked with a team of engineers from various contractors and also the federally funded research and development centers to help me support to design and build and eventually deploy Kraken. And it was very much so going back to the internal sales model that I was talking about, it was very much we have to get people within the Space Force. So there's several different programs and systems within the Space Force, and we had to get them to buy off on what we were trying to do from a cybersecurity perspective. And we were focused a lot on endpoint and on SOAR. What People may or may not know about, I'll say about the Air Force, I, I can't speak for the other branches or for the rest of the federal government, but the Air Force has traditionally been very focused on network analytics, network sensing, so sort of a network IDS plus SIM construct. So for people who are familiar with like Security Onion, that was actually built by an Air Force squadron originally. So if you've heard of that, that specific Security Onion framework, 
that started out of the Air Force. At least that's that's what it, that's, maybe that's just a rumor, but that's what I've heard. We'll say that actually the Air Force built Security Onion. Thank you. I'll take credit for it. Yeah, um, actually, it was Wes Selman right here. No, so. no, definitely, definitely <laughs> wasn't me. I can tell you, it's very popular in the Air Force that Security Onion framework, and it was definitely used. There was a National Guard squadron that used the Security Onion framework for they call it Rock NSM. So if you've heard of Rock NSM. That's something that they used and they actually, they had like a squadron GitHub and they were publicly on GitHub, like updating Rock NSM and stuff like that. So very, very interesting. Give the listeners the one sentence for each for Security Onion and Rock NSM for those who don't know what that is. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So it's a network sensing platform. So they're both the same thing. So they're both based on the Security Onion framework. So it's like uh, Suricata and Zeek, which are open source IDSs. And then those feed into Elastic, the Elastic stack where you can then go and see all the network data that has alerted. So hopefully that's the, the short version. But basically in order to deploy that in a easy, scalable manner, you have to add additional code. So those are so one was built by Security Onion, one kind of integrated version of it, and then another one was Rock NSM with that specific National Guard squadron. That's awesome. And then how does that apply to the Kraken project? And I also love the name Kraken, by the way. I love that it was Manticore and Kraken. It's like all these like diabolical kind of like mythical. You know, what's funny. I won't name any names, but I will say the person who named Kraken, it was so someone asked me that like, who named it? Like the person who was like most opposed to it, weirdly enough. He just thought it would be funny to say like release the Kraken as far as like, like from like a cyber incident response perspective. But he was my biggest obstacle from a perspective of trying to successfully implement it. Again, I won't say any names, but if he's listening to this, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you also, because that's an awesome name. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, security folks, they come up with the coolest names for certain things. Even like we see that there are a couple of even communities or meetups that are started by security practitioners that have just the coolest names that I think on the marketing side, we would never think of. Well, you just need to add the word con at the end. So waffle con and, you know, every con. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Snoo con. And no, actually, that's the Reddit meetup. But you know, there's all sorts of I agree with you, Maria. There's like, you could just find, pick any random, like super cool word and then add con to the end and you have a new security like the best security event out there. <laughs> That's the formula. <laughs> I'm sorry, Wes, we are going off track. So if you work for Apsia, take note, need to start adding cons. I know. <laughs> what's Apsia? <laughs> yeah, what's Apsia? Just make it con. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of events there, actually, back at that same job that I told you about. We used to go to Apsia a lot. Well, so Wes, actually, you were just at, since it's relevant, you were just at Apsia, right? Yes. So I was at a Rocky Mountain Cyberspace Symposium. So that's one of the premier AFSIA events for the Department of Defense. It was interesting to go this year because now I've been in the industry about six years. And it's just like, oh, I know all these people. Or, you know, I don't know all of them, but I know I know a lot of these people. <laughs> so the two that I've been to, there's there's several. There's AFSIA West in um, San Diego. There's um, AFSIA Alamo in San Antonio. That's where the Alamo was. Yeah, if you remember, you guys remember the Alamo. I don't. What was that? No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> in San Antonio. Apparently, I didn't remember. There's several events in D.C. And then there's, you know, in Colorado Springs, there's Rocky Mountain Cyber Symposium. Yeah, so the, the FCA is an interesting organization. It's really good. So it stands for Armed Forces Communications and Electronics Association. So really, it's going to be one of the easiest ways for various OEMs, VARs, FSIs, to reuse that acronym 
to connect with federal government customers at all levels. So there's going to be people there who are, again, there's me FSIs who are there. They've potentially won a contract with the federal government. They're ready to buy things. And then there's going to be generals who are thinking more strategically. At this last event, the CIO of the Air Force, Lauren Nossenberger, was there and she actually announced her, like, it's such a big event. That's where she announced that she's going to retire. So just to give like an idea of like the scale of this event, like that's the type of event where she announced that she would retire. Wow. It's the event. Just like Cyber Marketing Con is for cybersecurity marketers. AFSIA <laughs> is like the event for like FedGov security, it sounds like. Well, yeah, just they don't have con at the end. So it's, yeah, they still have some work to do. You know? I'm going to call them. Like when we hang up, I'm, or what do you, I'll write them a letter. I'll put it in the mail tomorrow. Hello, AFSIA, um, respected and trusted AFSIA, like AFSIA leadership team. My name's Gianna, and I heard about your <laughs> event yesterday from my friend Wes, and I want you to change the name. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm actually going to write them a letter. I'll, I'll throw that in there, too, or I'll send a second letter because I don't want to ruin the first one. But you know what's funny about Rocky Mountain Cyber Symposium? This might be way off topic, but what's funny about this symposium is it's on the week of President's Day, and they actually have activities on President's Day. So you have people flying out on Sunday of a three-day weekend to go to an event. So I don't know, for cyber marketers out there, like, I don't want to go to your event. I mean, I will go, like, if it's a big event and I have to, I will, but it's like, I don't want to go to your event if it's on a, if you're going to eat two days out of my three-day weekend. That's a great point. (laughs) So you said I have a lot of opinions. That's my number one opinion. Okay, cool. (laughs) We're going to put that at the top of the show notes, actually. Yeah, 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 just say, like, don't eat into my three-day weekend. Title, West Bellman, don't eat into my three-day weekend. We'll make a graphic, and then we'll, you'll see it. You'll see it on on the LinkedIn, Wes. Don't you worry. Okay, so I just did a purposeful narrative structure where we took a break from the sore story, but we do need to finish it, because otherwise people will be hanging on a cliff and be like, Wait, I was, what happened to Kraken, right? We were talking about Kraken, now we're talking about events. Okay, so you had to build consensus internally to get Kraken off the ground because you, as an internal person at the government, at the Air Force, Space Force, right, you had to get people to buy into this. It had to get funded. How did you get people on board? I guess to pick up where I left off, I was kind of explaining how, you know, this sort of network monitoring security onion mindset was at. And so I'm basically at the point where I'm trying to get people to think about things like SOAR and EDR, which there's this thing called HBSS, so host-based security system that's really big in the federal government. So there was some of that mindset, but modern EDR, not in the, like the federal mindset is something that people really want, as well as SOAR, just like, since they're like super advanced, nobody understands like what even is this. So really uh, a couple things that I did. One is I got, I got certified on the products. So that's something... Like first and foremost, that would be the thing that I recommend to anybody in the federal government. If you want to sell something internally, you really have to understand it at a technical level. It was funny to go to Palo Alto and I would tell people, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a marketing team and I'm a sales engineer. And then there's a salesperson and then there's, you know, there's a business development representative. You don't have any of that in the federal government. Like it's on you and your team and you've got to figure it out and you've got to fill whatever role makes sense, especially if you're in like a smaller program that's trying to grow and you're trying to advocate for some kind of change. These types of changes are very challenging within the federal government. So you really have to leverage your strengths, leverage the strengths of your team and lean forward. And, you know, one of my strengths, you know, I am a, an engineer, I'm still a consulting engineer. So one of my strengths is to be able to learn these types of products. So I leaned in on that. I utilized the strengths of my team. One person I worked with, she was phenomenal at scheduling things. She had also, when I say scheduling things, I mean, getting meetings with people. So she had been working in the industry for many more years than I had. 
And that was helpful because she had built up that level of trust with several of the different customers that we had. So if you want to use an analogy from the world that I'm in now, she was more like the sales rep that had all these relationships and could set up meetings with people. And then I was more like the sales engineer that like, once she like pointed me at them, I could explain why they should uh, adopt Kraken and why it would benefit them. And then the final thing that I would say was, is going to be valuable is you just have to understand what that customer is looking for. And one thing that I've had to learn, and I've learned it the hard way, not the easy way, is you have to check your opinions at the door. You have to check your own idealistic idea of like how cybersecurity should be run at the door. And you have to understand what does the customer want from a cybersecurity perspective. And it may not be the thing that you think is going to be the most secure. And in the federal government, I'll be honest, all about compliance. I mean, it can be about actually protecting things and actually having things. I mean, to use like kind of high level terms, have your systems in the most secure configuration and best defended. However, if your system's not compliant, it doesn't function. It can't be approved to function. It's not going to. So the federal government uses the risk management framework. So it has to be authorized by an authorizing official uh, for those familiar with the risk management framework. And if it's not authorized by an authorizing official after going through that process, it's useless. It's useless to anybody. So that's the most important step for anyone from a cybersecurity perspective in the federal government. So that was something that I had to understand. So I was really lucky to become an ISM and actually get my risk management framework a certification through ISC squared as well. So I think just mixing all those things together really enabled me to push the product forward. Yeah. So goodbye to all those pretty posts and emails and marketing about features and releases and all of that, unless you are on an accredited list of products, then, you know, it doesn't really matter, right? So that's a good point that you bring that up. So that's another thing that I did. And this is what I would recommend anybody do, like use your resources, right? So I work in the sales organization, so maybe this will involve more work for me in the future. But like, if you're a customer, if you're a federal government customer, you have federal salespeople and some of them are working, some of them working really hard. Some of them are just collecting paychecks, like put them to work. If it's an OEM, tell them like, Hey, I love this product. I think it's great. But like, for example, that's just an example, right? So if, if a tier is not fed ramped, it's, you know, I think it's a great product, but I need you as the OEM to get this fed ramped. And then we can talk about potentially purchasing it, provide that feedback, utilize your resources and utilize the marketing team there. Because like, so I'm not going to talk about specific tools that we selected for Kraken, like that's for like operational security purposes. But I will say that we utilized various OEM vendors for SOAR and we had them meet with our senior leaders. We had them use their connections to meet with our senior leaders in order to explain to them why SOAR was the next thing, at least at that time in 2018 in 2019 when I was uh, starting to kick this off. And that was super duper helpful. So if you're a program manager and you're trying to advocate for things within the federal government, use your resources, use the OEMs, use the bars, use the FSIs or you know whoever else you have, because those people are going to be able to really help you advocate internally. Exactly. So if you do need that pretty deck, hey, like, OEM, like we want to use you, but you, I need a story to tell to my superiors and the other people who need to buy into this, like do it for me. Thanks. Have it on my desk by Tuesday. All right. Or we're not going to pay you for your thing because it's not going to go through. So it's like absolutely a strategy. And Wes, would you think that even, you know, I know you're not in the role anymore, but if you were working with these OEMs and VARs and resellers and FSIs, would it make sense or be helpful if they were very proactive in suggesting that to you? 
Yes, I think it's an interesting uh, line that we walk. So now that I'm on this side, right, I have connections within the federal government. So if I have customers that reach out to me, there's ways that I can connect uh, federal government customers with each other. And they actually did that for us. So they connected me in the Space Force with a similar organization in a part of the Air Force, which enabled us to work together. If OEMs are able to recommend that, that's, that is very helpful, or GARS or whomever. I think you have to be careful about sort of how you say it. So one thing that I would recommend all salespeople, federal government salespeople, never do, and it's super common, is never say X, Y, and Z general thought this was great, therefore you should buy it. Like it's almost like trying oh, to pressure people through no like name dropping. Yeah, I would recommend, but it's super duper common. I've had this I had this happen to me all the time. And I actually I had enough confidence from my leadership. I once literally responded to an OEM and I said, Your name dropping doesn't help you, it actually hurts you. And the salesperson actually kind of got upset and um, called me and all that. Um, and I think I think it turned out fine. Oh, no. Another example of Wes being honest and people, re- people reaching out. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call you Honest Wes from now on. Oh, um, Honest yeah. Wes. I love that. It was a little different. So I'll say, Gianna, you, you did it way better because you were not... Well, one, you just, you know, one, it was just me just commenting on something you put together. So it's like I was really the one being aggressive versus in this case, she was the one name dropping, like kind of pressuring me. And then also like you were very uh, receptive and like open the way that you asked for feedback. You were like seeking feedback versus I think she just like didn't want to burn the bridge. So she was just like, okay, let's move on from this. Like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> let's just oh, pretend good. I didn't name drop. And I was like, okay, we can do that. Yeah, we can wipe the slate clean. I won't do that again. I swear, you know. <laughs> So that's amazing. And then when did Kraken launch? So really, it started to gain momentum in 2020. So right around, so the the Space Force, so um, almost pretty well timed with the uh, beginning of the Space Force. So Space Force was started December 2019. And then uh, right around that time is when Kraken started to take off. And it's it's still growing. I, I do try to keep track of what's going on. There was something released recently about a project called Digital Bloodhound, which I'm sure if you're listening to this and you're an FSI, you'll be bidding on that. But the Digital Bloodhound project will be contributing to Manicore and Kraken in the future. Amazing. That's And we will include show notes to all of this Kraken project, the publicly available documents on the Kraken project, and also anything publicly available on Digital Bloodhound. And I think, Maria, it's time for our game. Absolutely. But this is going to be a tough one. This is tough. This is very tough. Wes, every time we bring a guest to the show, Gianna and I try to figure out what their career would be if they weren't doing what they were doing currently. In many cases, a lot of our guests are in cybersecurity marketing. So we say, if you weren't today in cybersecurity marketing, you would be doing this. So we have to do the same with you. Except you're quite the mystery, even though you're very honest. Um, <laughs> so this is gonna this is gonna be a tough one. Gianna, you go first. You no, know, I've listened to a few episodes of your podcast, and Maria, I think you say that about everybody. You tell them they're all interesting, and you can't guess it. <laughs> that is because we do have amazing and interesting guests, and that's the honest truth. <laughs> yeah, we're like. This is like a very selective, high class podcast with amazing guests. So like, of course, all of our guests, including you, are mysteriously amazing. And I think Wes, okay, Wes, 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 I'm not uh, filling time here. So I could think, Um, I think that you would be an athlete. I think you would be like a mountain bike mountain crop what i don't know whatever bmx 
or maybe surfing, professional surfer on the coast of living in California near the beach and like taking your surfboard and like surfing. So I don't know. That's kind of like two. That's like BMX and biking versus surfing. But that's my guess. Maria? Hmm. No, anyone who who is not watching the video, Wes is covering his mouth so he can't. So he's not like publicly laughing at us. <laughs> no, I don't want to give it away. I want you guys to both have a fair shot. Yeah, you know? he's probably like, "You fools! You have no idea what I'm all about." <laughs> I actually think you'd be a, a musician, a professional one, obviously doing it as a career. Which musician? Which type, Maria? Yeah, I mean, I could see you leading a band. I don't know exactly what genre, but I could see you doing something in music. Okay, who won? What, 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 who's right, Wes? I think probably John is right. I've never... Yes! Uh, sorry, Maria, I've never really thought about... Here's a fact about me. It's probably going to be on one... Of, this is probably one of my like security questions, so this is how I get hacked. <laughs> I was a kid. I actually played the flute of all instruments as a kid, and I haven't in a long time. My My sister actually took my flute, so one thing about me is I struggle with uh, misophonia if you guys are familiar with misophonia so i struggle with like being bothered by noises and this probably sounds like the weird thing but i would play the flute and i would bother myself (laughs) 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 like i'm serious like i would bother myself i didn't love it i do like to go to to being leading a band i do like to go to karaoke bars and sing but if you go there and and i'm also there and i'm trying to sing i hope you've had a few drinks otherwise you might need to like get your ears fixed the night you might need to go to the ear doctor the next day it might never be the same I know because they've just been exposed to the most beautiful sounds in the world, right? So everything else is terrible. Not at all. I'm, a, I'm an absolutely <laughs> terrible singer. If you guys want a video, I have one. A friend of mine took it. You will realize how bad my singing voice is, so it's, it's pretty terrible. But I have, uh, in my life, wanted to be a professional athlete, so that's why Gianna wins. I actually ran track and cross country in high school. I loved it. Like I loved the idea of like exercising and working out, and I thought that that could be something that I could do. I just wasn't good enough at it, honestly. And I probably didn't start early enough as well. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that nobody mentioned that I have wanted to be was a physicist. So I studied physics undergrad. And when I studied physics, my goal was to join the Air Force, become a what we call like a 6-1, which is a scientist in the Air Force. And then I worked in a lab and I didn't do very well in the lab. Like I, I kind of struggled in that environment. So that's when I just kind of through caution of the wind and decided I would try something new. And I literally put cyber operations number one choice. And that's how that's how I am where I am is because I struggle. It wasn't a bad experience. It was she was a great the term is PI principal investigator, but I just I just didn't do so well in that environment. So I figured I would try something totally different. And so far it's been great. Can't complain. So that's amazing. It's funny, like, you know, you think you're gonna do something and then you try something else just as like a Hail Mary sort of like I need a plan B. I don't know. Like I'll just try this and it ends up being one of the best things that could have happened, right? I love life. It's like so funny. No, no, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree. I can't complain about where I've ended up. Everything, everything's been great. So I'm really happy to be where I am. And in the alternate, if you're a physicist and you believe in multiple universes, some alternate universes, I'm a uh, surfer in California. So there you go. Have you seen that show that just won the Academy Awards, that movie? I have seen everything everywhere all at once. It's very, very good, actually. So a friend of mine, Cyber Guy, He's actually a graduate of the cyber weapons school at the Air Force has, so very prestigious cyber person in the Air Force. He recommended it to me, and I was blown away. I was like, this is, I was like, this is a really good movie. So I don't know. What did, you guys, what did you guys think of it? 
I love that movie. We saw it. I don't know, Maria, if you've seen everything everywhere all at once yet. We haven't. And you have to watch it. No spoilers. I know. Every Oscar season, my husband and I are like depressed because we didn't watch any of the movies and we feel like a failure. And then the Oscars are over and we're like, okay, we have to watch these movies. And of course, life and kids and work take over. And we're like, okay, none watched at all. So funny fact about that movie, I don't know if you guys know this, but the not the main character, the main character is, I can't, I can't remember the actress's name, but her husband in the movie, he's actually the kid from Indiana Jones. Do you guys know this? No. I don't know if you guys know, there's like the one. Right. That's why he was so excited to be up on stage with Harrison Ford. I saw that story somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was actually literally on the plane, uh, my most recent flight, watching the Indiana Jones movie, watching them because they were just, it was one of the movies that they had available because why not there's what else are you can do on the plane and i saw that and then i saw that on the news that he was the uh that he that was him and i was just like oh my gosh i never put that together <laughs> that's crazy i love that that's so all the more reason to watch everything everywhere all at once and everywhere everything all at once we won't charge that much for promoting your movie, which doesn't need any promotion, by the way. It's really good. I recommend everyone see it. Wes, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you for serving in the cyber ops uh, for our country. And how can people reach out to you if you're interested in being reached out to? Yes. Now I respond, as you know, John, I respond to everything. (laughs) People can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way. So feel free to feel free to share my LinkedIn. Yeah, I would say that's that's the best way to reach out to me. Feel free to comment on any of my articles or anything that you want, or just reach out to me directly and I'll I'll respond. Awesome. All right. So this has been another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. Thank you, listeners, for being our listeners. If you want to be on the show, send a note to hey there, spelled traditionally, hey there, at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. Long email, totally worth reaching out. If you also have any suggestions for us, such as we would like you, Maria, and your guests to talk more about Oscar winning and Academy Award winning movies on every episode, feel free to send that over again to hey there at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. If you like our episodes, and even if you don't, give us a five-star review and you can catch us next week wherever podcasts are listened to. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Wes.